Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Nam Cho. He's the R&D manager at Cooper Lighting Solutions. Nam has over 20 years of experience in technology product development across various industries. We're talking military, automotive, medical devices. And now he thinks he can get into the lighting business, but he's got to pass this test first. So now he's in lighting. <laughs> Nam joined Cooper Lighting in 2013 as a principal electrical engineer for the development of light engines and has gained responsibilities over the years to where he currently leads their R&D efforts around investigating um, investigation of emerging technologies and chairs the company's technology council that strategizes and coordinates development of these technologies to solve complex problems. And he creates compelling use cases. This is the ultimate use case, though, Nam, the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. He holds over 40 I, patents I, and that many more are pending. He graduated from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign with degrees in electrical engineering and computer science. But before we get to him, Greg, guess who sponsored this show? I can guess, but I know. So Cooperlighting.com. Go to C-O-O-P-E-R-L-I-G-H-T-I-N-G.com, Greg Eric. That's right. Cooper Lighting Solutions delivers forward-thinking lighting solutions and an industry-leading portfolio of indoor and outdoor lighting, lighting controls, and smart lighting systems that improve people's well-being while making buildings, homes, and cities smarter and more sustainable. These solutions are specifically designed to simplify and personalize lighting, solve complex business challenges, and leverage data insights to meet the unique needs of customers. Cooper Lighting Solutions is a business unit of Signify, the world leader in lighting, and seeks to unlock the extraordinary potential of light for brighter lives and a better world. For more information, where should they go, Mike? Go to cooperlighting.com. That's C-O-O-P-E-R-L-A-G-H-T-I-N-G.com. Proud members, Greg, of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, where lighting means business, brother. That's right. Get educated, get associated, join Nailed if you're a lighting distributor. But for right now, what's going on, Nam? Keeping it tight? Hey, how are, yeah, how are you guys? Doing good. We like to see the hat. You fit right in with us, so good work. Oh, good to hear. <laughs> we'll have to get hey, you a uh, nailed hat but, next. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate that. Um, but before we get started, I, you know, I really want to, you know, on behalf of all the teams involved here at Cooper Lighting, uh, really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to kind of share, you know, what I believe is one of the most interesting and unexpected innovations to come into lighting. So thank you, guys. You should save that yeah. to the end. <laughs> no, I always forget to to thank people, so okay. I think you know yeah. I try to do that in the beginning. All right, that's perfect, and we're going to get into that. But a little bit before we get into that, I just want to know a little bit about your background and everything. And I, I looked in the year you started was 2013 in Cooper. That's kind of an interesting year to me and right. to a lot of people in lighting because I think that's the year that really LED started to take off. And you were uh, hired to develop light engines. What caused Cooper to hire you? What background did you have to say, I can do these light engines for you? Um, so, you know, as an electrical engineering background, you know, LED is to to engineers like us, it, it's not a really an emerging technology or something that is, uh, because it's been around for decades and decades, right? So LEDs have been used as, you know, traditionally indicator lighting, but not 
until the efficacy has really kind of caught up to where it can be used for lighting and the and the quality improvements that we can make with you know that efficacy and the spectrum the optics all of that combined it's really begun to change and disrupt the lighting industry so you know that's when all these manufacturers including cooper lighting um has really kind of invested heavily into um uh, hiring electrical engineers, software engineers, uh, mechanical engineers to develop light engine light engines that could really change what you know hasn't really um, uh, fully developed to its full capacity or capability until 2013, like you said. So that you know that's when they reached out to folks like me, and I was uh, you know lucky to be you know involved as one of the first. So rest is rest is history. There you go. And, and a light engine. I had to look it up, surprisingly, just because I, I, I think I know how to say it, but here's what it says. A light engine is the LED equivalent of a conventional lamp. Normally consists of an LED chip mounted on a circuit board that has electrical and mechanical fixings, meaning it's ready to be fixed in a luminaire. That came from your website. Uh -huh. Okay. What makes a quality light engine? So, I mean, quality of light engine just includes everything from um, the, the flickering of um, light too, right? So with tradition and 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 the, the, the how fast it actually comes to its full luminance levels. So if you think about you know how it used to be with HID and ballasts, you know there was all these issues with noise, the flicker, you know time to full lumens. LED along with LED drivers, the electronics got rid of all of those and really improving the quality overall quality to the occupants in that space. So that's what I consider the you know, quality of light, not just the visual, uh, the brightness, but all the other elements that go into creating a really reliable and, and high performance in, in fixtures. You think you guys have uh, maximized that capability in terms of, are you making light engines as good as they'll ever be? Or is there still room for improvements with that? Um, it really depends on how you look at lighting. So if you look at the traditional lighting in the tr traditional sense, the LED efficacy has kind of saturated, as you know, right? 200 lumens per watt, 220, you know, to, for us to see in the next few years. Um, but if you look at the aspect of what we can do beyond just illuminance, how we can uh, impact the behavior of people, you know, uh, moods of people. If you heard about human-centric lighting, uh, if you heard about, um, you know, how blue lighting can affect your, you know, uh, sleeping patterns. And, and when, you, when you take all those into consideration, the, the quality of lighting can continually evolve over time. See, I think we know how to hurt people with light. You know, <laughs> I, I think we know how to do that. I mean, casinos have known that for 50 years, okay, that if you shine white light directly into someone's eyes mm -hmm. that they'll give you their paycheck. But, um, you know, when it comes to actually improving, actually known improvements, I know there is a few things with, um, you know, Alzheimer's patients, uh, with slips and falls, um, and that we know a little bit about circadian rhythm, but we don't have uh, solutions that are, deployable for the average consumer in the market at this point. We have a lot of marketing, but we don't mm -hmm. really know how this technology, it, it, I compare it to rated average life. So right now, like 
health care or health, health effects of lighting when it's under perfect laboratory conditions and when the, the lamp is up and the socket is down so the heat can come off the lamp. After 50,000 hours, 50% are still working. So like it, the health effects right now is kind of like rated average life. If you know how to do it precisely and the occupants are there during the right times, that we can possibly help them sleep a little better or we can do this. Do you, are you guys, are we ready for deployability in that sense, Nom, you know, for lighting distributors? Because when it gets to lighting distributors, that's when everyone's buying it, right? When lighting distributors yep. are talking about it on the counter, when they're talking about it on the phone, when the you know, whatever out there, then you know that something's ready. Are we at that point yet? Well, to be honest with you, I think we're very, very close. Maybe mm. not today that we're ready because there's so many subtle elements that you got to take into consideration. Mm. So, for example, you mentioned about circadian rhythm, right? And how does that, how that light gets into your eye affects your melanopic levels and improving mm. your um, performance during the day, you know, awareness during the day. So, when you talk about melanopic lighting, it has to go into your eye. And as you know, lighting is above our light, you know, um, mm. head kind of shining down, right? So we got to understand how we can effectively provide more um, uh, horizontal lumens, the combination balance of vertical illuminance and horizontal illuminance. So there's some things that we got to still figure out how to market and, and create the content to properly educate the customer. So you're right in that sense. You know, what's interesting to me, it, it, you know, we have this idea about tunable. So tunable lighting is about like dimming. It's kind of like dimming and, and it was in 1969. It's about choice. Yeah. Right. Yep. You get to choose what color temperature you want and then what level of light you want. Right. But that to me is kind of counter. It's kind of opposite of, of say circadian, which would be prescriptive. Right. You would have. Mm -hmm. You would like in the circadian world, if you're going to do that, then people are getting the light they need rather than their choice. And those are like two shooting stars that are going to crash into each other or something. Um, yep. How do we, how, you know, how do we as, you know, P, you know, Greg and I do lighting projects all the time. Mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult when someone says they don't want 50K, um, the lights are too bright or whatever, and they want that option to dim them or they want that option to turn them down. I, to me, that's the biggest hurdle is the removal of the choice. And to then prescribe, um, I think as a as an industry, that's going to be the point at which where the rubber meets the road for everyone. It's like, okay, if you want circadian, you don't get to dim the lights, you don't get to change the color, you have to obey this sort of step process throughout the day. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge, Nam, is that point where yep. you're moving choice from people. Yeah, I think you're hitting on that nail head 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 there. Um, so it's about giving them the choice. It's about giving them the options, what whatever they prefer. And with the controls capability that we're we're embedding into our light fixtures, that will provide them the choice that they you know some somebody might not want the behavioral or health effects of lighting that comes with it for those customers or for those users. You know they have just an option to choose. 5,000K all day long, all night long, right? But the cost of the, you know, and that comes with the cost of adding additional LEDs, um, additional controls elements, wireless capability. So that will be a challenge. Um, but, you know, over time, things do come down in cost. And there will be a time where when all those different features, it'll be just negligible. And I think this segues nicely to 
one of the key topics we want to talk about here is is your light architect, which is augmented reality lighting design. <laughs> now, as I read through it, it, it tells you right there, Mike, we were talking about the Kelvin temps. What if you could actually see the Kelvin temperature in your space before you did it? Oh. Exactly. <laughs> so tell us, what what is this light? That sounds pretty swanky, Nam. <laughs> right. So, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, like you saw in my bio or description, you know, I, I look at emerging technologies and augmented reality was one of the one of those uh, emerging technologies that uh, Cooper Lighting really um, looked into and and, under, and understand and analyze different use cases. And, and so we came out with what's something called Light Architect. AR stands for uh, Augmented Reality. And to me, it kind of, it, it's, it is a mobile application, but to me, it's, a, it's something that represents how much we really appreciate the fundamentals of lighting. So like uh, Greg talked about, what if we can show that CCT, how the color, the light distribution looks like in the space without actually having a sample to, um, to, to, as, as to preview before making that purchase. So that's what the app does. It, it creates these holograms that, is rep that are representative of actual luminaires and their lighting effects, including color temperature. Uh, it lets you see the physical dimensions of them, how big they are, um, various color options, finishes that they come in, along with the foot candle values that we can actually kind of create as holograms and throw onto the floor. So explain exactly how this works. Like, would it be in my specific setting or is it in a general setting? Here's the look you're going to get. Right. So augmented reality is about um, creating virtual elements in your own space, so to speak. So if you heard about virtual reality versus augmented reality, I can go through that too. So virtual reality is something, you know, where you're completely immersed in a virtual environment. And to simply put, if you could imagine, I don't know, being a character in your favorite animation film, you know, mine was, um, I don't know, what was that movie called with Elsa and Anna? Frozen? Frozen? Right? Frozen. Come yeah, on, my, Frozen? My, oh, this podcast is over. When it first came out, my daughter was about five. Yeah. My son was about two. They watched that movie over and over again. So you want to be the reindeer that... or what? Who do you want to be in that movie? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I, th I think I remember his name was Fen, the reindeer. And there was a, there was a snowman called Olaf, right? So <laughs> I'm going with Braveheart. I'm going to be William right. Wallace. In my augmented it's not reality. Animated. It's oh, not it's got to be animated. Okay. Well, okay. So, all right. So, augmented reality. We we kind of like augmented reality is like Pokemon Go. Yeah, absolutely. That's augmented it's reality. Poke, so you're looking through your phone and you can see a different world because your phone is adding something, or a headset or a pair of glasses is adding something to the existing world. Augmented yep. reality is far is going is actually a much bigger play than virtual reality. I think in the long term. Um, we might live in an augmented reality world soon, like period, end of the story. So, um, so you're building this augmented, is it a phone app or how does it, how does one use it? Yeah, it's a phone app. We, we, 
you know, we investigated various options like the headset you talked about, mm -hmm. along with the, the mo different mobile devices. Um, in our case, Light Architect is a mobile app. It's a more practical um, use case. Everybody carries around a smartphone these days with all the technology embedded inside it, right? So it was uh, much uh, more practical in, in a sense that um, anybody can use it anytime, anywhere. Hmm. And you can you hold your phone up or an iPad up in the space and, and, and look through it and say, okay, this is how it looks in 3000 Kelvin. This is how it looks with the customer right there. Exactly. That's exactly wow. how that works. So cool. as you pull out your phone, what it first does, I don't want to bore you to death, but uh, so the technical term is spatial mapping. It uses various sensors, including the, the back facing camera to kind of scan your real world or real space. And as it understands, you know, what's in that space, like a table or a desk chair, how big your floor is, it creates a digital uh, replica of that space and then um, superimposes these virtual 3D elements on top of that real uh, uh, camera view. So thereby kind of, you know, you gives you a mixed view of, you know, merge merger of the virtual elements along with the real world. So it's and like Snap, Snapchat for lighting. Is. Snapchat for lighting. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Snapchat. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, it's everywhere. Instagram, Snapchat, you have these filters that have these um, butterflies, you know, yeah. hovering over your head or something. That's augmented reality. Hmm. Hmm. And there, who can use this? It looks like anyone. Is that free? It is free. <laughs> I'd love wow. to get a commission on it, but it is a free application <laughs> that anybody can download off the, uh, you know, um, Google Play or Apple App Store. You download it and we have uh, preloaded these 3D virtual uh, luminaire models and you can place them in any any space, indoor, outdoor. Um, you could turn on the light to see the lighting effects. You could do a calculate function where it does a mathematical computation within that space and renders a grid that has all these foot candle values right there in your space. So does it, pretty, does it uh, tell you how much, where, like cause a lot of times with the health effects, what we hear is that the, the space is over illuminated with horizontal foot candles and under illuminated with the vertical foot candles, right? Or mm -hmm, lux or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, whatever value you want to place on there. Um, does it tell you where it's low in terms of vertical and horizontal? Uh, we're getting there, not yet. Okay. I'm All glad right. you brought that up. Yep. Yeah. It does a direct illumination on the surfaces currently, but we're working on, uh, you know, vertical surfaces as well. I just paid like a thousand bucks, Greg, for one of these machines that tells you the circadian value of the light and all this sort of stuff. But it doesn't do yeah. that, what he's talking about, where you have to actually go take the physical measurements and all that. And it's it's actually quite a bit of work to do one of these audits. And if you could use a, a phone to do it super quickly, holy mackerel, that would be game changing for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. I'm looking at it right now. Um, so what, what fixtures do you load into it? I assume you have a family of fixtures that are all color tuning or is it any kind of fixture that you want from Cooper? So it pretty much any kind of fixture you want from Cooper. So we have various uh, brands loaded up in there, uh, anywhere from Streetworks, Metalux, even Shaper Sense. You know, the, the talk you had with uh, Suhana mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So we've innovated so much. I mean, I'm not saying it just because, but um, um, she talked about acoustics, right? Mm -hmm. Acoustics luminaires. 
and the echo, echo reverberation and the calculations involved. What we've done with this app is, is that uh, when a user augments a shape or sense fixture, we can calculate how many fixtures you would need to reduce the reverberation by the, your desired target levels. Wow. That's just one example. Um, last year, um, we launched a series of what we call GUV or UVC luminaires. Mm -hmm. Now you can, you can place UVC luminaires, adjust the mounting height, and actually get calculation as to how long it would take to eradicate or eliminate different types of viruses and bacteria in that space. So there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do that's, now, you, that you that, were never... Is that surface disinfection luminaires or air disinfection luminaires you're talking about? Ah, you're, yeah, yeah. That was uh, surface disinfection, and we're also looking into upper air with fluency rates. I actually think the upper air is the long-term play. Um, most viruses are aerosols, and so like yeah. the surfaces, if you don't clean them enough, there's only so much that the, the like the the, the 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 surface disinfection can be a part of a a disinfection strategy. Um, and I think, but you know, there's only so much it can do be, in terms of its ability to, to clean which is a different thing, cleaning and disinfection or different sanitizing, cleaning. These are all different, different terms technically. But the, the, to me, what I really think um, would contribute to um, the, the world is if the lighting industry could figure out in a way easily how to deploy upper air disinfection because there's no risk to anybody with that. There's, no, there's nothing that anyone could be worried about long-term exposure to UV, even if it seems safe now, or anything, any of those things that people might be scared of or customers might be a little bit hesitant, upper air disinfection makes total sense, whether it's active or passive or ever how you do it. It's such an awesome thing to do. And, and I'd love to see if, if you could go in with a phone and quickly analyze by the space, how many of those you need to, to produce, you know, a disinfection rate of 60% or whatever it is that is effective in that space, that would, as as an industry, that would be a massive contribution to society alone. If we could, because the problem we have on the ground, like guys like Greg and I have, is like, yeah, we can sell you a fixture. We just don't know how many you need. We don't know how much disinfection you're going to get. So it becomes more of a theatrical play, you know, um, than it does how effective it actually. It's doing something, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's doing something. It's it's on, you know. The green light's on. Look. Um, but if you could actually know the disinfection rate and how high that is, that would be the selling feature. Right now as an industry, Greg, where we are is really just, it does something. We know it contributes and it's a part of the theater, right, of safety, like masks and stuff like that. You know, this is what we're doing to prevent this and to contribute. But if we could know, man, that would be a super powerful tool. That would, that's something that where the, that's the rocket launch pad right there. Um, I'm telling you. That yeah, is the rocket launch it. pad. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I think there's a lot of people that agree with you. Saying, same sent, They have the same sentiment and the same feedback for us, too. Mm. When did you start developing this app? The app development started back in 2016, 2017, even prior to when Apple first released their, um, you know, uh, AR framework called ARKit. Hmm. Were you involved with it from the beginning? Absolutely. <laughs> you know what we did. What we did first was to um, file a lot of patents around use of augmented reality in lighting. 
<laughs> okay. Did you okay. get them all? <laughs> we, got, we got that, most of them so far. <laughs> okay. Good. So uh, you're a lighting company. You sit down, you say, we want to start creating apps. So basically you're saying, we used to manufacture light fixtures. Now we're creating software. Now we're creating applications that are not fixtures. Was that difficult for the executive team to get over that hump when you came to it? Because you're talking many, like to develop something like this is a massive undertaking, particularly for a lighting fixture company. You know, it's one thing if Facebook says, hey, you know what, we're going to start making an app or some app development company. How did you, how, would, how long did it take to, to make the plunge and what objections did you have to overcome? So to me, it, it wasn't about software, mobile app or hardware. It was about a solution that actually influences or, or improves how we as lighting professionals and, and how we offer our customers a, a, a better um, I don't know, way of working. Right. So it wasn't purely about software or hardware, but it was about what it can do and what it has the potential to and how it has the potential to improve our lives or in, and our you know, way of doing business. So you've had it in development for a number of years and it sounds like you're continuing to add things to this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so more recently in 2021, we implemented and designed and released a feature we call simply satellite view and what that means is that um, we've utilized uh, google maps technology something that everybody uses on a daily basis or maybe you know at least you know um frequently right how you know how to create traffic or navigation from one location to another or just kind of simply browsing different areas that you want to go to right different cities that you want to kind of go to so what we've done is we overlaid a um luminaire uh, icons that representative of a luminaire for the user to be able to easily select drag and drop different luminaires in different roadways or or parking lots and then compute <laughs> that's a throat slit bud. levels that's a throat slit that's awesome so i was thinking I, was, I wanted to interrupt you so you can look at the google maps and you'll know you can plop you can plop a wall pack in there you could plop a, a street light in there how do you guys know the feet of the height of the pole so we let the user adjust that mounting height okay. including vertical tilt oh man that's awesome so once they do that and create a select uh, region of interest the app can take care of the rest, creating a com computation table of foot candle values, the statistics, statistics, max, min, average to min, uh, max to min values, create a bill of materials, and send that off instantaneously. So traditionally, how that's done in the past is, <laughs> you guys know, right? It yeah, takes for sure. days, I, if not yeah, weeks, sure. iterations. So nowadays, our sales um, partners can just you know, have to download the app, um, go to a customer site and do this in real time, show it to the customer in real time, um, uh, replace fixtures and how, and they show the effects of that. So one of the memorable, I guess, testimonial or comment that um, one of our customers has made is that, you know, by showing the, showing their end customer, you know, how fast this can be done, and how and, and showing them the science behind it creates more of a what was traditionally an emotional sales project into a very logical one. Mm. 
You know, can I make a suggestion? Uh, absolutely. From the next module. <laughs> what you need to do with that Google Maps thing is look at light pollution and then look at the fixtures there and impose like how 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 dark sky or uh, darkness friendly light fixtures could be imp implemented there and create the same level of human safety while preserving the night sky and the darkness for um, areas around it. Like how to eliminate light pollution. So if you're looking at it with Google Maps, you can see this light fixture is going to spill into that field. But if you use this one, it's like push dark sky friendly button because that's coming, man. You, there's a lot in the news right now. A lot of ordinances are being enforced and that sort of thing. Um, that would be an awesome addition to that outdoor lighting tool. But man, that's fantastic, Greg Eric. You know what I mean? <laughs> it really is. Like I hate when things turn into an advertorial, but sometimes when I hear that something is good, it's good, man. Yeah. What am I going to say? It sounds like an awesome then, app. The thing that sticks out to Appreciate me as it, a Mike. distributor trying to, trying to be out there selling it is when you have something like that, who cares what the price is? You yeah, know, like sure. the customer looks at it and is like, this guy knows what he's doing or this person knows what they're up to. Yeah, yeah that looks like what I want it to look like. It's definitely something you do with the customer in real time. Yeah. That's you know right. what I mean? It's like a joint thing where you're there with them with your phone. And what do you think of that? I mean, you know, it's uh, that's a fun sort of collaborative thing if you know how to mm -hmm. use the app well to do it with your customer. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah. you know, I really got to give you a high five for that, brother. That's pretty cool. All right. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got the entire package, you know. So, you know, one of the hurdles dealing with a absolute end customers is that they're not a lighting expert. They expect us to be the lighting expert that, that goes go to them with a solution that can that is both cost effective and reliable. So you know, with this app, like I said, it is a solution. It's not about software or hardware. It's about you know having something that'll make people's lives easier in our in the lighting industry. And so we can you know quickly do a satellite view layout right there. And if the end customer wants to really understand what that fixture looks like, we can we can show them right there. You know, in that space. You know what I've been saying for a long time, Greg, and um, is that, you know, like as much as, you know, Facebook and Google and Uber, as much as the people that started these companies and innovated these companies are genius, you know, they really solved very simple problems. Okay. Like it's actually what they solved is not that it's obvious and it's not that complicated, like connecting a driver to a person who wants a ride. That's not that, that's actually doesn't take a lot of subject matter expertise. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm drunk in Paris in 2008 and I can't get a taxi cab. What if we, let's start an app. Or like the same thing with Airbnb. Like they're actually not solving the problems that are super difficult to solve. Like it, it's not that complicated what they do. You know, Google makes all its money on AdWords. That's what they do. They, they, they show you ads. The same thing with Facebook. They don't actually do anything that complicated. And people, all oh, these tech giants, these tech giants. The real future, Greg, in any industry that's a complex industry dealing with real infrastructure. So a lot of times people talk about creative destruction. We're talking about real um, mission critical infrastructure when you're talking about lighting. Right. So you need subject matter expertise to be disruptive. You can't go over to China and buy a crate of lights and bring it to America and disrupt the lighting industry. That's just that's not a thing. That's just, you know, being another, you, you know, another another player in the game that has low priced light bulbs um, or light bulbs or fixtures or whatever. This is truly disruptive. Like this is where you, you know, if this thing works the way you say it does now, 
what's going to happen is the average lighting person with, you know, that's a graduate of LS2, has an LC, Greg, has some experience, has sophisticated tools in the field for selling customers what they need. And that is the second generation of this tech revolution is where this technology, the Snapchat technology, putting butterflies on your face, that's not helping anybody do anything. It's just a way, it's like waste, it's anti-productivity even. It's a waste of time. But it's fun, sure, maybe it's fun, but it's like mostly a waste of time. But these types of things, when we see these, this, when the technology reaches the point where subject matter experts like Cooper Lighting get their hands on it, Craig, and then it falls into the hands of guys like me and you, lighting experts in the field, this is where you can make a real difference. And I'm not trying to be an advertorial for, for Cooper Lighting here, and I hate it when I get like this, but this is, a, this, is a, this is one of the best innovations I've seen in the lighting industry in a long time, and it has nothing to do with light fixtures. There you go. <laughs> appreciate appreciate it mike that's good as far as uh the use you know I've, i'm downloading it right now and i'm going to mess around with it after but is it relatively easy to use i mean you need some lighting knowledge to run this app or where are we at with that no lighting knowledge whatsoever required greg um you know i could tell you one of the users that we have with the app is he's not a lighting person he's a facility manager for um i forget <laughs> Tennessee, maybe, uh, for a for a condominium, and he's used the app more than some of our own developers to <laughs> to 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 place <laughs> for fixture uh, fixture icons in that condominium um, to to look at various options and, and, and the feedback has been tremendous. Those are my favorite customers. Informed customer, love it. Mm -hmm. Love and informed. Because they know what they know what good is, and they know when they're dealing with people that know what they're dealing with. So yeah, that's exactly. what we want. Yeah. How about like will it, will this be into decorative fixtures too? Like I want to change my wall. I, I assume so. I want a new look of my fixture on the wall, or whatever. Assuming you guys have yeah, it, I, put it there. In fact, in fact, that's how we got started. We we started out with decorative fixtures to be augmented in space because that's what that's what we originally thought was the the best use case for to help customers or 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 or, or lighting professionals um you know visualize different decorative options um but you know over time we've had many different other use cases and innovations that came you know created much more uh, value adds in other areas so will there uh, will other manufacturers ever be able to use something like this or is that what all the patents are for <laughs> well, all of the above. I mean, they could certainly use it. They could. They have. You know, they. There are other manufacturers that have created similar, but nowhere close to what we have today. And um, you know, we do have the patents to protect if we ever need to. <laughs> you know, look. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the past, prior to the LED boom, I mean, GE, Philips, and Sylvania would put out white papers that benefited everybody. They put out like technology statements and they came up with standards and different things that benefited everybody. I mean, unfortunately, you know, they're not in the same place in the industry they once were. And it's good to see people like Cooper stepping up, making a free app. Hey, go ahead and use it. It's got our stuff downloaded on it. But by all means, you know, it's for the industry. I, I think that's fantastic. That's true leadership. And um, yeah, I love it. I think it's great. Greg, what else you got, man? That's a, that's so a heck of a technology, man. Yeah, for sure. And, and with your title there and your role there, are there any other emerging technologies that you can share that we might be looking at as lighting people in the future or needing to know about? 
Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So we talked about the human centric lighting elements, which has challenges of its own, right? So that is one thing. And ultimately, um, I only say this because we do have some patents around it anyways. <laughs> the ultimate IoT and connectivity and luminaires is about being aware of the environment. So as you know, we're starting out with, you know, we've already started out with, with something very simple, occupancy or PIR, motion-based sensing, and that triggering a light fixture to turn on. You know, what's beyond it? It's really about understanding what's in your environment and having the light lighting behave autom autonomously, right? So the next level of sensing could be, you know, the counting the number of occupants within that, within that space to adjust the light levels accordingly. Um, it could be um, air quality detection within luminaires. We already have the distributed network of lighting fixtures as well as powered in the infrastructure. So it only makes sense to add additional functionality to be able to make the light fixtures even smarter than they are now. So if you think in terms of light fixtures being smarter and being more aware of what's happening in that environment, that is where the IoT is going when what everybody else is doing. Well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to push a little bit here and see where we go. So, um I'm a big fan of dumb sensors, okay? And I'll tell you why. I don't like fiddly shit. Okay? So, like a lot of lighting control systems are really fiddly. Okay. And, um, you know, in your home, you can have fun with an iPad app. You know, there's different, you know, nailed distrib uh, mem vendor members that have decent apps for the home environment where you kind of maybe want to have some control on a phone. But what I noticed from my commercial industrial customers, they want the lights off when no one's there and they want them on when someone's there and they don't want to think about it. They don't want to have to download an app on their phone. They don't want to have to play around with settings and all this kind of stuff. They don't want any fiddliness. They just want to they want it set up by us and then they want it working and if it doesn't work we come back and fix it. And they don't want lights on, false starts or anything like that, right? And so you can accomplish and then all of the energy savings you can accomplish that with dumb sensors. What you're talking about is where can we go from there? And the 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 the, the you know the sensor technology has not been able to deliver a payback beyond that. And so you, you still see massive sales of regular passive infrared sensors and ultrasonic or what have you, different technologies. Where is the value? What, what I want to know is, in the, what you're saying is we can gather information. And what I, I've always asserted on this show is that when that information becomes valuable, then someone else will pay for the fixture to go in there. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like with, with Facebook or Google, the person who uses it is the product and the customer is an advertiser or somebody that wants to sell them something or their information is valuable and it's sold. And so the money's coming from the data and so the use of the app is free, right? And so perhaps, you know, Cooper is going to be gathering information on what lights are being specified and, you know, seeing that information is maybe valuable to Cooper Lighting. But what I'm saying is, if we're going to implant IoT, Bluetooth, uh, mesh networks and all this, what is the actual, who is going to pay for that value we get? Is it like, who wants that information? And that's always my question. I'm not sure I know who that person is. Do you know who that person is, Nam? Well, that's a that's a great question, Mike, and I think we're all in the in the industry is trying to figure that out. And I think you you know you also commented on you know you have the data which can be turned into insight, assess for um, 
uh, information and the ultimate goal is to have intelligence right mm -hmm. so once you figure out how to get how to how to derive intelligence out of the pure data that you have then you then you know exactly how valuable that information is well so what you get beyond you get the intelligence and then is it actionable like that's the next step Right? Is there something you can do with that information? So what if this many people are in the space or whatever? Like, I mean, you know, people. You try to talk to a, a, you know, a CEO of a factory about that. He doesn't really care that much. He already knows he's got people swiping in. He's got different ways to, or she's got different ways to to access that information. So we, can it become? It becomes intelligent. It, you know, there's data. What's data? Then there's analyze. Then it becomes intelligent data. And then is there anything you can do with it? Does it tell you anything that's worthwhile? I think the industry has been grasping for that for a long time. And I don't know where that the answer is going to come from. Um, I think we're still in the early stages of that. So, Nam Cho. Yeah. Any final thoughts Appreciate for the it. listeners, man? Um, you know, I, I think I'd like to share why I'm very passionate about lighting. Okay. And I think it kind of, you know, it, it kind of triggered some things you said earlier, right? So when I first came into the lighting industry, you know, I thought it was just very simple, right? It's either on, off, maybe you dim it. Yeah, sure. But then what that, that's what people see. But what, what they don't see is all the intricate uh, levels of just technologies that are that go into it. And the effort that goes into making the quality of light is superb and for the customers. And that's what really kind of drives the passion in me to continue to look into different things to add to the lighting. And I not to mention, you know, yeah. You keep going, keep Go going. I want to finish off when you're not done. To All right, not to mention the people in lighting are just awesome. You know, they're very, <laughs> they embrace, they, they, they support. Um, you know, I, like I said um, before, or like you mentioned in my bio, I've been in different industries like military, automotive. I even worked for a toy company a long time ago. They're, they are not as driven or as we think they should be with regard to being having that enthusiasm for technology. But lighting industry, we're, we're different. It's not rigid. It's a very fluid industry. And there's lots of different ways to market, too. That's the interesting part about the... It's not rigid. It used to be rigid, but it's not anymore. It's, so it's very flexible and adaptable. But you know what? I think we're on the cusp in the next couple of years. There's different... People are coming at it from different directions. Psychologists um, uh, are talking about perception. We're starting to figure out what light actually is. And when I say that, I mean people don't really know what light is. They know how it, it's like electricity. We know how it works. We can use it, but we don't actually know what it is. And we were talking to some scientists where they're, you know, they're 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 tweaking different light fixtures to change the flavor of tomatoes, say for example, or to grow different types of plants beyond cannabis. Thank God. For example, for once, we're not talking about cannabis anymore. We're talking about taste of of produce and these types of things, and for, for chickens and for animals, and we're on the cusp of knowing how light works. When we figure out how light works, we're gonna solve a lot of different problems in the world. And then the lighting industry is going, to, is going to catapult above a lot of other things that people think are essential. Because once we know how light works, like what it actually does, the sun shines on the earth and creates life, for example. Once we figure out how that actually works, I mean, people say, what do you mean? They, they don't know what it is. It's like fish figuring out they're in water right now. Once we figure that out, Greg Eric, we're all going to get super rich. It's going to be so <laughs> awesome. 
We're all gonna get super rich. But now I'm chill. You know, for go ahead, finish up. For 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 my sake, I hope it's uh, you know, signifying Cooper Lighting that figures it out first, guys. <laughs> you know what? I mean, listen, there's a lot of independent scientists doing research on this right now. Right? So what we saw, we went to um the uh, a, a horticultural lighting conference a couple of years ago, and what you saw was like the merging of the academia with industry and with contractors and distributors. You saw like this blending and, and people agreeing on certain things where this works and this works and this works. And we don't have that yet with lighting. We're get, we're like there's a lot of people studying it, the health effects and how these things work. But once they all start to come together, and this is why we need to have real in-person events again, folks. This is very, very important that people be allowed to gather. Zoom is bullshit. Okay. Like, I mean, I, this is not bullshit because this is what people expect from a podcast, but we don't create forge the kind of relationships we need to forge over zoom calls over this thing, trust and all that's built. We need to get the psychologists we need to, that are studying perception together with the people that are growing stuff together with the people that are making light fixtures and you know, the, the, um, the scientists out there, Mariana Figaro, um, for his last name, Mark, uh, Mark Ray, and all these types together in, in, at events and start to have symposia where we start to understand things from multiple disciplines. Everybody's in their own silo. That's why we got to bring back live events. But if you made it to the end of this, I know all you weekly listeners out there, we thank Cooper Lighting. That's right. Go download the app right now. Is it on the App Store and the Google Play Store, both? That's right. Yeah, he's got both versions, so you don't even need to have an iPhone. No BlackBerry, unfortunately, for guys like me. But uh, I got an Android BlackBerry, so hopefully it works. Go to cooperlighting.com. That's C-O-O-P-E-R-L-I-G-H-T-I-N-G.com, Greg. That's right. And we talked about it at the beginning, but they showed it right here. Personalizing lighting and solving complex business challenges. That's that's what they're doing with this lighting application. Make it easy for the people to see what, they, what they're going to get, what they can potentially get. Make it easier for you to sell. That's best, what about. best strategic decision they've made is they've joined the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's right, folks. NAILD.org, where lighting means business. Get educated. Get associated. That's right. Join committees. We're solving all sorts of problems at the distributor level. Our voice is being heard for once, which is the most important thing. The voice of the distributors, the knowledge from the trenches. That's right. The people selling every day, talking to the customers, talking to the contractors. If you sell light bulbs every day as an electrical distributor, lighting distributor, you got to join Nailed, man. Go to NAILD.org. And, of course, we thank Nam Cho from Cooper Lighting for coming on and telling us about this fantastic app and his career in the lighting business. And all you folks that made it to the end here, we know that our rate's 98% listen rate. You made it to the end. By behalf of Greg and I and Nam, we say, we love you guys. Thanks for listening.